Okay, so this whole class has been about rules of revelation, learning to connect with heaven. And we began to see in the last several weeks that I have a lot more control over that revelation than I sometimes realize. And what is it that I can do to increase the flow? So we've been looking at that. How do I increase revelation? What are the, some of the things I do? So things like take better care of your physical body. If you want the flow of nutrients from Heavenly Father to increase, take better care of your physical body. Something like getting the sleep and the food that you need will have a dramatic impact, impact on revelation. You want revelation in your life? Forgive. And then the emphasis from the hey, Janae, Emphasis from the Book of Mormon has taught us that there's another concept that I think is worth pausing and spending some time on. And that is knowing that Heavenly Father taught the parable of the wheat and the tares, knowing that it was repeated in the Doctrine and Covenants and holds a very prominent place in the Book of Mormon as if to say, okay, I'm concerned that too many of you are interfering with Revelation because you're letting the wrong people in or you're not letting the right people in. So we talked about the four possibilities, right? And sometimes we get it right. Quite often we get it right. I think our instincts are quite often right, that sometimes I see wheat and it is wheat. I let the right people in. Or I see tear and it is tear. I kept a poison out. The problem is I see wheat and it's tear. I saw the sheep's skin and didn't notice the wolf underneath it. And I let the wolf in and it poisoned me. Quite often, isn't that one of the biggest obstacles to feeling more and more revelation and having God close to me is because I've let the poisons into my life. And so we talked about some of the biggest poisons are not people. Some of the biggest poisons you've let into your life are your own thoughts. And because they're your thoughts, you see the sheep and don't realize that your own thought is a wolf trying to destroy you. If you want to change your happiness level, if you want to change the connection you have to Heavenly Father, if you want to connect with God more frequently, change the stories you tell yourself and get rid of the tears. Then... We started to take a look at, I see tear and it's wheat. I keep certain things out. I don't fully embrace them and let them into my life that would have blessed me. How many sources of strength have you kept out of your life for one, for one reason or another? So last week we took a look at the big one. I truly believe all of us in one way or another are keeping Jesus at a distance. Probably worried that he's going to shame me if I let him in. Because people shame me all the time. I am worried about his judgment, his condemnation. And we don't keep, we keep Jesus at a distance. So tonight I want to do one more. I think there's one more wheat you are keeping at a distance. You're not fully embracing the wheat that you are. 
I believe that if you treated me the way you treat yourself, you'd be a horrible neighbor. So why is it okay to treat yourself that way, but you would never treat me the way you treat yourself? How many of you would admit that you are harder on yourself than anyone in your life? I have, I don't even know, I can't even explain this. I have this unusual tendency to forget to start the dishwasher. It's been going on for 30 years. I will unload, I will load. I wash dishes every day. That's kind of my job. I do the dishes and I will load that dishwasher and I will put the soap in and I will shut it and I will forget to start it. I even know I have a tendency to do it and I still forget to start the dishes. Now that has inconvenienced my wife many times. She'll go expecting clean dishes and they're dirty and there's the soap sitting in the dispenser waiting for the thing to turn on. And now she has to run the cycle before she has dirty dishes, clean dishes. I have put my wife out many times. And yet, what, does, what do you think she does when she notices I made a mistake? She laughs. She thinks it's so funny that her husband, who's generally pretty intelligent, continually forgets to start the dishwasher. She laughs at my mistake. Now, when she makes a mistake, tell me what she does. Tell me what she does, Amanda. Now, why is it that she's kind to me, but gets mad at herself? Do you see the wolf? Because no one can hear me, because no one's inside my head, there's the sheep. I'm not hurting anyone. Yes, you are. You are speaking evil of one of Heavenly Father's children. And if you spoke that way of anyone else, you know you'd be doing wrong. It doesn't make it right when you're doing it to yourself. I believe it interferes with the Holy Ghost. The full companionship of the Holy Ghost that you could have if you stopped tearing down one of Heavenly Father's children. It is not okay simply because it's you. You cannot treat other people nice and tear yourself apart and expect to be pleasing to Heavenly Father. So let's talk about that tendency and let me show you an antidote so that you can let the wheat in your life and stop being critical. Embrace who you are. Turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 18. Now we're going to stop at 17 so we can get our bearings. Old Testament, 1 Samuel chapter, let's start at 17. I'll bring it up on the screen so we can see it together. All right, 1 Samuel 17 chapter heading should tell you what the story is. Okay, chapter 17 is David and Goliath. Okay, Goliath, David was not a member of the army. David, was show, David showed up to bring his brother's lunch. Saul, King Saul, has led the army. And he's done a pretty good job at it. And he's won numerous battles. 
And now all of a sudden they run into a pretty big obstacle. The Philistines have a new proposal. We'll send our best guy out. You send your best guy out. And whoever we wins between them wins the whole war. Now that's great if you have a nine foot nine inch giant. It's not great if you don't. Well, David goes out there and kills Goliath and wins the war. Now turn to chapter 18. Tell me what's going to happen in 18 when they go home. And you can see the setting here, right? Saul, who has led the army, who's been faithful, and David, who showed up and won the battle. Can you tell me what's going to happen before we even study? Can you see it coming? What's going to happen in the heart of Saul when he looks at David? Now, what's going to make matters worse is what are the women singing? Tell me what the women are singing. Saul hath slain his thousands and David hath slain his ten thousands. Now tell me what's starting to happen in the heart of Saul. And this is what we all do. Oh, she's so beautiful. And I'm not. He's so smart. And I'm not. He makes so much more money than I do. And the comparison starts. And we get this critical verse 8. Now, I want you, as we read it, I want you to tell me, what does Saul do with the word but? Tell me what Saul does with the word but. Ready? And Saul was very wroth. And the saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed unto David 10,000. And to me, they have ascribed but thousands. Tell me what he did with the word but. To David they have ascribed 10,000, and to me they have ascribed but thousands. Tell me what the word but did there. He's tearing himself down because, because why? Something good happened to someone else. That is the dumbest, saddest side of our human nature. Because she's beautiful, I tear myself down. And I'm butting myself because God made her beautiful. That's so dumb. Because he's intelligent and successful and doing well in school and in work. Because good things are happening to him, what do I do to myself? Do you see me beating myself up? And do you see me treating myself as what? What am I treating myself as? A tear. Simply because something good is happening to that person. This can't please Heavenly Father. The comparison we often make can't please Heavenly Father. When we're constantly tearing ourselves down because something good is happening to someone else. Now, let me propose, I think this temptation is the original temptation 
long before Satan tempted Eve to partake of the fruit, there was another temptation. I would suggest this is the first temptation and we need to see it as that. Turn with me to Moses. Let's see the Garden of Eden. Let's go back to Moses. Now, help me act this out. You tell me if we're, if we're going to portray the scenes of the Garden of Eden, I need you to help me tell me how to act this out. Ready? Moses chapter 3, we're going to start in, with the word, verse, we're going to start in 16, 16 and 17. Now, you be the director, I'll be Heavenly Father, you tell me how to act this out. My line is, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. You ready to direct me? Let me give you the line again. What I'm going to say is, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, just not this one. Notice I boxed the word every. What would you have me do when I say the word every? What would I do? Show me what you would have me do when I say of every tree. Tell me what I'm pointing at. All that I have. All that I can, all that I am. Tell me what Heavenly Father will always point out. All that you can. We just sang, count your many blessings. How many blessings are there? How many things can you do? How many things do you have? What are the blessings in your life? Heavenly Father will always say, look at all that you are. Now watch the very same word. Watch the beauty of the play on this word. Ready? Go to chapter 4 and tell me how Satan uses that same word. This is chapter 4, verse 7. Now, you be director. I'll be Lucifer. I need you to tell me how to act. Ready? Here's my line. I'll paraphrase. Didn't Heavenly Father say you could eat from every tree? That's my line. Didn't Heavenly Father say you could eat from every tree? So tell me, how do you direct me to act when I say the word every? Tell me. Tyler, what would you have me do? I guess maybe the same thing. So what am I pointing at when I say the word every this time? Didn't Heavenly Father say you could eat from every tree you see what he's trying to do tell me what lucifer will always point out what you aren't and there it is the very beginning of this world you have an enemy who is going to constantly whisper in your ears what you can't do She's so much prettier than you. He's so much successful than you, so much more successful than you are. Now, can I ask a piercing question? 
Which one of the two are you listening to? Would you be honest with yourself and tell me which one of the two do you most frequently listen to? The one who points out all you can do, all the blessings he's given you, or the one who's always pointing to what you can't do? And are you happy listening to that one? That needs to change. You are not the tear you treat yourself to be. But we're constantly tearing ourselves down because of what? A small weakness. It's human nature. We all know what our weaknesses are. Why is it that you don't like to see pictures of yourself? Most people hate to see pictures of themselves. Why? I think it's because you're a very, when you look at yourself, what do you see? You see every flaw. And then when you see a picture of yourself, what do you realize? Everyone else sees it too. Guess what? We don't. We do not see the flaw that you see. You are so hard on yourself. You treat yourself like a tear because it's not perfect and because it makes mistakes. Now, do you feel that weight interfering with revelation? Let's get to an antidote. I had one more example. Okay, two more examples. Okay, one more example. I'll save the other one. I once taught a girl, this was a profound lesson for me. I, I once taught this very lesson in a college environment to a girl who liked a boy who liked another girl. So girl number one is in my class. She likes a boy and we all know it. She likes a boy who was also in one of my classes. But the boy likes girl number two. So girl one likes boy who likes girl number two. Now. Girl number one and girl number two are often near each other, often in the same class. So girl number one says to herself, what? Tell me what girl number one says. Why does he like her instead of me? And then looks at her and says, oh, that's why. Oh, that's why. Therefore, every single time girl number one sees girl number two, tell me what she does to herself. She beats herself up. She butts herself because she has great qualities. Do you see the human nature? She's tearing herself down because someone else has something good. We've got to stop living that way. It's interfering with revelation. This comparison game. So let me give you an antidote. Love the Book of Mormon because it always has the antidotes. Can you think of a King Saul David experience in the Book of Mormon? There's one very powerful one. Five friends were all converted by an angel. Four of them go on a mission to 
That's got to be the coolest mission ever. This one goes where? Utah. This one goes to Ammoniah. How did it go for him in Ammoniah? Well, there were a few people who believed, and oh, they got burned because they got believed. The women and the children were thrown into a fire because they got believed, and he had to stare and look at them. Thanks for coming to Ammoniah. Look what we did. And the rest of the city, destroyed by Lamanites. When do those five meet up after their conversion? These four are coming back with Thousands of Lamanite converts. Whoa! And he's coming back from Ammoniah. Do you see the moment here? Alma has every opportunity to say what? What a loser I am. Now turn with me to Alma chapter 29. I think one of the great gifts of the Book of Mormon is to look into Alma's heart. And I would suggest there is an antidote. There are two antidotes here, but primarily one. Alma chapter 29. All right. Antidote number one is you have to have an Alma 29.9 moment. You have to grant yourself an Alma 29.9 moment. You will never, ever be able to. Let me put the verse. You have to grant yourself an Alma 29.9 moment in order to have an Alma 29.14 moment. This has to come before this. If you don't have a a verse 9 moment, you'll never have a verse 14 moment. So let's read Alma 29.9. Anyone want to read? I'm going to stop you, but anyone want to read? Macy, please. I know that which the Lord has commanded me, and I glory in it. Pause. This time I want you to say, I know what the Lord hath made me. Read it that way. I know that which the Lord hath made me, and I glory in it. This time I want you to read it. This, I, want, I know what the Lord hath made given me. I know that which the Lord hath given me and I glory in it. What's an Alma 29.9 moment? I know the goodness of what God has done in my life. I see the wheat of who I am. And I glory in it. I am not a tear. With all my weaknesses, I am not a tear. My life is not a tear. I recognize the goodness of God's hand in my life and I glory in it. Now, some people will push back and say, what? What might you be tempted to say at this point? You can't glory in yourself because... That's pride. Well, Macy, keep reading. Start over. Read the whole thing up until the word yea. I know that which the Lord hath commanded me, and I glory in it. I do not glory of myself, but I glory in that which the Lord hath commanded me. I am not 
compare. It's actually pride when I'm comparing myself. It is not an act of pride to be grateful for what God has done in your life. It is not an act of pride to see his glorious hand in your creation. I know who I am. I'm very aware of what I'm not, but I know what I am and I glory in it. I recognize his hand in my life and my Reaction isn't jealousy or comparison or tearing myself down. My reaction is gratitude for what he has done in my life. I am not a tear. And I will stop treating myself as one. That's an Alma 29.9 moment. Let me very tenderly, because we just laid her to rest share you the words of Patricia Holland. Can you imagine being married to Jeff Holland? Can you imagine that that's your husband who everyone adores and you're Pat Holland? How many many times did she compare herself to her husband and butt herself? How many times did she tear herself down I'm going to have to do this this way because I want you to see her face. And I have her right here, I thought. Oh, where did I put her? There she is. I want you to see her face. Now, you all know him. Is she as bubbly and out, out, outgoing? Now that's going to be a problem, right? So let me read her words. Let me see if I can do this without getting rid of that picture. I can do it either way. I can float. I will float it. Let me read her words. This is Patricia Holland. Actually, you know what? Let's pause and let's see them. I think it would be worth reading this together. Okay, I gotta put that away because it only wants. Okay. I think this will be valuable to read together. This is Patricia Holland. Our Father in heaven needs us as we are, as we are growing to become. He has intentionally made us different from one another so that even with our imperfections, we can fulfill his purposes. My greatest misery comes when I feel I have to fit what others are doing or what I think others expect of me. I am most happy when I am comfortable being me and trying to do what my Heavenly Father and I expect me to be. Now, ready? Think about the struggle this has been. For years, for many years, I tried to measure the oft-times quiet, reflexive, thoughtful Pat Holland against the robust, bubbly, talkative, and energetic Jeff Holland. 
and others with like qualities. How's that comparison going to make her feel? Quiet, soft-spoken, Pat, and Elder Holland. Then she says, I have learned through several fatiguing failures that you can't have joy in being bubbly if you are not a bubbly person. How many of you know those failures? How many of you know the fatiguing failures of comparison? Because I'm not what someone else is. I have learned through several fatiguing failures that you cannot have joy in being bubbly if you are not a bubbly person. It is a contradiction in terms. I have given up seeing myself as flawed, as a flawed person because my energy level is lower than Jeff's and I don't talk as much as he does nor as fast. Now notice what she saw herself as. Tell me what the comparison to her husband was doing to her. I am flawed. But she gave it up in her Alma 29.9 moment. She gave up being, she gave up seeing herself as a flawed person because my energy level is lower than Jeff's and I don't talk as much as he does, nor as fast. Now watch what happens. Ready? Everyone turn to chapter four, verse 14. Let me pull up the scripture for a second. We'll get back to Sister Holland. If you can accept the goodness in your life and stop comparing, the moment you can joy and glory in who you are, what then happens in verse 14 when someone else does something really, really good? When he's brilliant and she's beautiful or she owns her own business and he just got a 4.0. What can you do with their success when you own yours and glory in it? Instead of competing, what happens? But I do not join in my own success alone. But my joy is more full because of the good things that are happening to you. They don't cause me to tear myself down anymore. I have given up seeing myself as a flawed person. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to treat myself as a tear. I know who I am. I'm Pat Holland. And no, I'm not Jeff. And I glory in the creation of Pat Holland because this world needs Pat Holland. And man, does this world need her. And the moment you do that, the moment you embrace who you are, watch what happens. Now, going back to Sister Holland, the moment she stopped seeing herself as a flawed person because she's not like Jeff and she embraced who she was, what happened? Giving this up has freed me to embrace and rejoice my own manner of personality in the measure of my creation. Ironically, that has allowed me to admire and enjoy Jeff's qualities 
even more. That is a much better way to live. And you can sense the freedom, the flow of, re- of revelation, the flow of information from Heavenly Father when I stop playing that silly game of tearing myself down because of what I can't do, because of what I'm not. When I finally embrace who I am, I can look at you and be thrilled for the good things happening in your life. So Sister Holland continues, somewhere, somehow, and this is my prayer for you. Somewhere, somehow, the Lord helped me see that my personality, my life, my journey through this mortality was created to fit precisely the mission and talents He gave me. Miraculously, I have found that I have untold abundant sources of energy to be myself. But the moment I indulge in imitation of my neighbor, I feel fractured and fatigued and find myself forever swimming upstream. When we frustrate God's plan for us, we deprive this world and God's kingdom of our unique contributions and a serious schism settles in our soul. God never gave us any task beyond our ability to accomplish it. We just have to be willing to do it our way. We will always have enough resources for being who we are and what we can become. Let go of seeing yourself as a tear because you have flaws. Now, one of the ways you do that is by understanding why you are the way you are. Turn with me to Doctrine and Covenants section 25. Doctrine and Covenants section 25. This is to Emma. Now, I think you can appreciate that Emma did a lot for Joseph those early years, and Emma never got to see the plates. How many people got to see the physical plates? Besides Joseph, how many people? Three witnesses plus eight, 12 people. Now we know, we know Mary Whitmer also got to see them. 13 people that we know of handled the gold plates. Were any of them jo- Emma Smith? Did anyone deserve to see those plates as much as Emma did? And Emma didn't see them. Emma Smith never handled the gold plates other than kind of thumbing through them as she was dusting, which I don't blame her one second for doing. She kind of, they were covered in a cloth and she just kind of thumbed them with her little thumb as she dusted around it. She knew they were real, but she never got to see them. Now listen to this very powerful phrase. I just think this is so indicative of all of us and the lesson why I have what I have. The Lord said to Emma, murmur not because of what you don't have. Murmur not because of the life you haven't led or the blessings withheld. Now tell me why they're withheld. Tell me why you have the life you have. 
It's a beautiful phrase here. Do you see it? What's the phrase? It is wisdom in me. I didn't make you like her for a divine reason. I didn't make Pat Holland like Jeff Holland. And that is wisdom in me. One of the ways you can embrace who you are is recognizing you are what you are because of a divine creator who knew what he was doing. Tell me what you're saying to Heavenly Father when you trash yourself and your life and your abilities because they're not what someone else can do. What are you saying to Heavenly Father? If you said that about me, you would be acting horribly. It is not okay to say it about yourself. It is not pleasing to Heavenly Father to say to Him, you screwed up on me. I should have been like her. I with all my soul testify you will feel a peace. You will feel revelation flow. You will feel a closeness to God when you have your Alma 29.9 moment. I embrace who I am and who I am not. And I know that it is wisdom in Him that I am who I am. Your life is His gift to you. Don't criticize Him for His divine creation. My oldest two are girls, two years apart. My oldest are girls. Now, can you imagine how that's been throughout their lives? My oldest is model thin. When she had her third child, she looked like a teenager. Always has been model thin. She can eat whatever she wants and she looks like a model. My second has always been stronger, bigger in her own beautiful way. Now tell me how that has gone over the years. You're not in your head, right? Tell me what my second has done her whole life. I'll never forget when they went clothes shopping. At the beginning of a new school year, they went to buy some clothes for school, and the second tried on larger sizes than the first. My second daughter, the younger daughter, was trying on larger clothes than her older sister. Tell me what happened that day. Can you play through the day? She came home doing what? My older, my youngest, my second daughter came home doing what? Tearing herself down. Because she's bigger than her older sister. Now I went to see her. She was upset. And I asked her a question that stunned me and stunned her. Her name's Brittany. I said, Brittany, if you could trade bodies with Ashley but had to trade lives and be Ashley, would you trade her? Guess what her answer was? 
No. I don't want to be Ashley. In other words, tell me what you just heard. What did you just hear in that? I like who I am. And the next word is, but. Drop the but. And say, I have a great life. God has blessed me abundantly. I glory in who I am. I really do. And it's not bragging. I'm not better than someone else. I just recognize the divinity of God's creation in my life. And I'm grateful for it. Now, what will finally happen with her sister when she has that moment? Do you see the difference? Instead of competing and tearing herself down because of her sister, she'll enjoy her sister. My joy is more full because of the good things happening in your life. This is such a better way to live than constantly tearing yourself down because of what you're not. With all my soul, I would pray for each one of you to have an Alma 29.9 moment. and recognize the goodness of God's creation in your life. And then you can look around and enjoy the goodness of God's creation in someone else's. That's such a better way to live. And you can just lift that burden off of you. If you choose to constantly tear yourself down and beat yourself up because you see tear, you are interfering with revelation that could be yours. Of that I testify in the name of Jesus Christ.